Welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. Our handle on most of our media platforms is the PBL Podcast, so you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which I'm on a lot, and of course, TikTok, which I'm on a lot as well. And our email is thepblpodcast at gmail.com. Please drop us a line, give us some show prep or show ideas, uh, anything that you like me to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can support us on patreon.com slash the PBL Podcast through a membership, and with that membership, what you'll get is content on Patreon that you won't get anywhere else. All right, well, let's get started for today's show. Uh, I'm going to do some quick takes for the first segment of the show. And in the second segment of the show, I'm going to do what I'm calling MAGA Wednesday. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you some accomplishments of this president, this administration for these first three years in office. Now, I'm not doing this so you can win arguments with your leftist friends. Um, because we know you can't win arguments with your leftist friends because they won't use logic and reason. They wear their emotions pretty heavily on their sleeve. And the most what will happen is you'll give them these facts and they'll just throw their hands up and run away and go, orange man bad. So I'm not doing this as a way for you to win an argument. Now, I'm giving you this so you can feel good about your choice going into this election if you're supporting Trump, and I highly encourage you to support Trump. I am supporting Trump. There are things that Trump has done that I don't like, uh, like, for instance, what he said about TikTok the other day as far as that they should get a cut of the fee if Microsoft buys them. Don't like that. I do believe it's close to extortion, if not outright extortion, not distortion, extortion. So, But there are a lot of things that this president has done that have been tremendous. His judiciary picks, the deregulation, there's a lot of positives that have happened in the last three years that, of course, our mainstream media will not report. So stick around for that second segment where I give you a list of accomplishments of this administration. So I'm going to do some quick takes for the first segment, and then we'll get into that. So quick take number one, Boston abolishes special SWAT team that captured the Marathon Bomber. That's right. That's right. This is from Hot Air. Um, Jazz Shaw posted uh, August 2nd, 2020, and it starts off pretty funny, I think. If you happen to be an aspiring domestic terrorist, particularly in and around or around Boston with a hankering to blow up a marathon or some other large public event, it's been a pretty good week for you. <laughs> First, we learn that Boston Marathon bomber, however you say his name, star in this, uh, death penalty sentence has been revoked. Did you hear that? Did you hear that this death penalty sentence for this marathon bomber who killed people, right? Main people has been revoked, at least temporarily. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. I'm sure to go on appeal. And now we find out that the elite Boston transit SWAT team that was widely celebrated for bringing Sarnev to justice has been unceremoniously disbanded. Officers assigned to the highly trained unit were told to turn in their special equipment and return to more regular duty. So think about that. Return to more regular duty. That means they're not being let go. So is there really any budgetary savings here? No. They're just being told to turn in their special equipment, whatever that means, and return to more regular duty duty. Now, what the sources have said, the closest they come up with an, op- an observation made by some inside sources uh, who said that the tactical team, quote, had not been used on calls much over the last year, end quote. So because they haven't been used, the city of Boston 
is disbanding them. Wow. Now, it doesn't seem that long ago where we had the Boston Marathon bombing. And it's not as if these things occur all the time, but it's called readiness and preparedness. And if you're not ready or you're not prepared, well, then you're not preventing. So if you are an aspiring terrorist, domestic terrorist, well, go up to Boston. They're, They're not as well equipped as other cities. But then you go, you look at what, a lot of major cities have done across America, leftist cities across America, what have they done? A lot of them have announced that they are defunding the police. Now, when they say defund the police, do not get the misconception that they are saving money. No, what they're doing is they're moving money from one line item to another line item, like say from police to social services. There's no savings of money. When Mayor Bill de Blasio says he's going to cut a billion dollars out of the police budget, that billion dollars is not a savings to the citizens of New York City. That money's going elsewhere. And with Bill de Blasio, you just never know where that money's going to go. But you do know it's not going to go to help the citizens. So this is the same thing over here in Boston. They're not saving money. They're reallocating funds and their preparedness is going to drop. So if you look at cities across America right now, whether it be Seattle, Portland, Chicago, New York City, now Boston, that are making these announcements, what are they telling the criminal element? Well, they're telling the criminal element that, hey, this is a prime target for you. Come over here. I got a story I'm going to share a little later about New York City's uh, uh, increase in crime rates. Now, why do you think this is happening? It's happening in a lot of cities across America with this whole defund the police rhetoric, the criminals are having a field day, just a field day. So uh, it's just, when will it stop? When will these cities finally, finally figure this out and stop this nonsense and realize that crime is, is caused by, by uh, um, opportunity? I mean, the crime rate in a lot of these cities has jumped up, like New York City. Here's the headline for New York City. New York's wealthy Upper East Side reports a shocking 286% increase in robberies with armed gunmen holding up residents just feet from the homes of billionaires. So in New York City, Crime has gotten so bad. Murders are up, by the way. Murders are up like 30, 40%. And uh, uh, gun violence or gun crimes is way up. And now it's bleeding into other neighborhoods. Now, why do you think that is? It's not because all of a sudden the criminals figured out where these neighborhoods are. No, it's because the criminals know the city is ill-prepared to handle them. The city is not in the position where they can prevent these crimes, these robberies, these murders, these gun crimes, because they, they're defunding the police. And then, and then the police know they're not being supported by the city. So why are they going to go into some of these neighborhoods? Now, this is not the high-end neighborhoods, of course, but they know. The police know that the city doesn't have their back. Morale is at an all-time low. And police officers are worried about what like what happened in the Atlanta market with uh, uh, the officer who shot Rayshawn Brooks. He got arrested. He got indicted. And that was, in my opinion, a good shooting because Rayshard Brooks fought the officers, took their taser, shot at them with the tasers. 
and then that officer got arrested. You don't think that has an effect on everything? Of course you do. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how this works. You know the cause and effect, and this is where the left never seems to understand the law of unintended consequences, the cause and effect. If I am going to defund the police department or disband, such as Boston did, the special SWAT unit for terrorism, well, if I'm the criminal, I'm going to be thinking, well, wait a minute, this is an opportunity. So why don't I just go seize this opportunity? And then if I'm a petty criminal, a thug, if you will, I'm, not, I'm just not going to worry about being arrested. I'm not going to worry about being held accountable because guess what? There's not enough police officers anymore. I can go into these upper class, these high income areas and, uh, you know, rob some people because I know the police department's been defunded. There are fewer of them out there. So crime in New York City's upper east side has increased. Again, a report's a shocking 286% increase in robberies. So, and, and these are in uh, high-end areas. Here, here's some of the, the bullets. 27 robberies have taken place on Mon Manhattan's Upper East Side over the past four weeks, a 286% increase when compared to the same time last year. Over the weekend, cops charged three teenagers for a spate of armed holdups that took place near the homes of billionaires Henry Kravis and John Paulson. An analysis of data reveals the, that robberies are also on the rise in other affluent Manhattan neighborhoods, including Tribeca, Soho, and the West Village. It's proof that New York's wealthiest residents are not immune from crime spike gripping the city. New York City has reported a 177% increase in shootings in July when compared to the same month last year. Murders spiked by 25%. Are you getting it now, people, in these big cities? Hey, I live outside of Atlanta metropolitan area. You know, crime is, you know, the murder rate here has dropped a little bit. We haven't had as many issues as we had like a month ago. But are you starting to see what's happening here? Of course you are. It's time for our city officials to wake up and protect the citizens of their cities. That's one of their primary duties of being elected to the position. All right, quick take. The most trusted name in news, CNN analysis says non-maskers should be on their own terror list. So don't you just, here's the article. It's uh, uh, from Red State and it starts off with, don't you just love CNN? <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know the last time I've watched CNN, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do love writing about it. It's nonsense. And if there is more target-rich environment in the news business with MSNBC running a close second, uh, I've yet to find it. So the there's these two pundits on CNN, Juliet KM, I don't know if I'm saying that right, K-A-Y-Y-E-M, and Anna Cabrera. Uh, Juliet, she, this is what she tweeted out. Uh, they sh the FAA should adopt a no-mask list, much like no-fly list for terror suspects, and permanently prohibit passengers like this from booking flights on any airlines, not just Delta. These are passengers who won't wear a mask. And call it total jerks list if you want complete asses list if it makes you feel better. And then Anna 
Cabrera, Cabrera uh, Delta statement to CNN. Flight 1227 from Detroit to Atlanta returned to the gate following two customers who were non-compliant with crew instructions. After a short delay, the aircraft departed to Atlanta. The two passengers removed from the plane. So the, here, here's what they go on to say. That two pa um, at flight 1227 returned to the gate uh, at Detroit Metro Airport on July 22nd because the two were non-compliant with crew instructions. Okay, I get that. All right. So now, I, I, the airlines are a private business. They're a private industry. If they want to set rules that you have to wear a mask, guess what? You have to wear a mask. I get that. You know, those, those uh, travelers removed from the plane, hey, that's on the airline and those travelers. If they don't want to comply with the rules to be on their plane, then yes, I agree with that. But to say they should be on a terrorist list or to compare it to a terrorist list, I'm sure that the CNN analysis and the analysts are being all flippant on it. But come on. It, you know, this whole thing with the mask has gotten so outrageous. As I mentioned before, uh, every morning when I'm out for uh, like a morning walk, I see people by themselves with a mask on. And it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you, you, you know, the mask is supposed to protect you from if you're in groups that were less than six feet uh, distancing, right? Right? The, the mask, it's not like particles are flying all over the place. But to start liking the uh, people to terrorists who don't wear masks, that's just taking it a bit too far. But this is CNN. CNN, which is the lowest rated news network on TV, cable news network, right? That's their name, cable news network. They're the lowest rated. You know, why is that? Well, it's because they suck. <laughs> I mean, this is what they do. They belittle people. And when you belittle people, they're not going to watch your show. So CNN, they just don't get it. Neither does MSNBC. Well, MSNBC, I, I shouldn't say that. They do get it because MSNBC plays to that base. MSNBC plays to the far left base. That's what they're going after. And guess what? That's what they get. Good on them. Fox, you know, they say Fox plays to the far right base. But Fox kind of plays more to the middle than um, to the far right. Now, they have pundits like Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson that are on the far right, but their news program is pretty much the middle. Now, CNN has always been one that says that they are the trusted, most trusted name in news, that they are non-biased. Bull crap. They are about as biased as bias can be. When you start mocking the people that watch your channel, well, guess what? They're not going to watch your channel anymore. So this whole mass debate should be about, okay, here are the benefits. Here are the reasons why you should, why you shouldn't. You know, like, like Fox says, you know, they report, you decide. But just unbelievable that these two pundits would get up there and liken non-mask wearers to terrorists. Did you see you know, those videos recently? There's a lady in Walmart uh, who is just berating another lady who is not wearing a mask. And one, there's one video where a lady was berating a uh, lady and her children who are not wearing a mask and said, you're going to die. You're going to die. The, the Karen mask wearers, right? There are tons of them out there. You know, but again, my opinion on all this, if a business says wear a mask, you, you want to do business with them, you got to wear a mask. I mean, currently in and around the metropolitan Atlanta area, you got to go into a grocery store. Guess what? You got to wear a mask. If you don't bring your mask in, well, you're not going inside. It's their right. But don't call people terrorists for this. All right. Here's one. Here's a headline. You're going to love this headline. Chicago officials call on schools to stop teaching history. 
<laughs> I'm not kidding. All right, this is from, uh, again from Hot Air, Jazz Shaw, uh, August 30th, 2020. Again, the headline is Chicago officials call on schools to stop teaching history. Okay, there's a little caveat to that because remember the headlines kind of, they're designed to get you to the story. But anyway, here goes, here's the article. Apparently attempting to honor the memory of George Floyd and prevent violence against minorities at the hands of law enforcement officers, a coalition of leaders in the education field and state politicians gathered in a suburb of Chicago yesterday to demand that Illinois public schools stop teaching history classes. Now, the article goes on, not permanently, mind you, just until all of the history curricula and textbooks can be updated. But what sort of updates would be required? It sounds like there will be quite a few of them because history classes are both racist and sexist, and they apparently unfairly communicate history. Now, this is the article talking. And before you ask from the article, no, this is not a joke. The, the, the writer, Jazz Shaw, goes on to say, I couldn't have made this one up if I tried. So here's from the uh, NBC News Chicago. Uh, leaders in education, politics, and other areas gathered in suburban Eviston Sunday to ask that the Illinois State Board of Education change the history curricula at schools statewide and temporarily halt instruction until an alternative is decided upon. Think about that. Till an alternative. So you remember, there's an old saying, the victory writes the history books, right? They write the history. So at a news conference, state rep LaShawn K. Ford said current history teachings lead to a racist society and overlook the contributions of women and minorities. Before the event Sunday, Rep. Ford's office distributed a news release, Rep. Ford today in Eviston, to call for the abolishment of history classes in Illinois schools in which Ford asked the ISBOE and school districts to immediately remove history curriculum and books that unfairly communicate history until a suitable alternative is developed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure those history books are going to be written accurately. Hey, let's talk about the George Floyd thing, okay? Because this is where they're trying to go with this, that, you know, there's so much violence against blacks in America and so much oppression against blacks in America. You know what? If you start changing history as it's written, it's going to have a different outcome because those who fail to remember their history are doomed to repeat it as the old saying goes. And what they want to do is they want to, they want to whitewash, no pun intended, History. Now, George Floyd, the the body cam from the police officers was recently released with the George Floyd killing. Now, it, it, it wasn't released by the police department of Minneapolis. No, it was released by a, um, a outlet out of England because here in America, our journalists are absolutely, our mainstream journalists are absolutely useless and, and do not want to report the news if it doesn't fit their narrative. Well, I watched the body cam footage, the whole from start to beginning. And I got to tell you, there were a lot of things wrong on both sides. Now, when I say both sides, the police and George Floyd. Now, George Floyd was belligerent and he was resisting arrest. Uh, he was frantic and he was all over the place. So allegedly the, the $20 bill that was counterfeit passed at the store wasn't actually passed. They didn't take it. And allegedly what it is, is the store employees called the police because of George Floyd's erratic behavior. Now, after watching this body cam video, guess what? You kind of would believe that because he was pretty erratic. Now, where I didn't 
agree. And again, I don't, I'm not a police officer. Uh, and police officers, they, they have to go through a lot. They go into these neighborhoods that are just absolutely crime infested neighborhoods. Every time they go on a call, like with the George Floyd call, they absolutely do not know what's going to happen. They don't know if this person's going to pull a firearm. They don't know if somebody is going to ambush them. These are dangerous neighborhoods and they deal with this all the time. The only time that we see it is when an incident like the George Floyd incident happens. Now, when they approach George Floyd's vehicle in the body cam footage, uh, the officer has his weapon drawn. Okay. You don't see that all the time. But again, I can't put myself in the place of these officers because I don't know their situation. I don't know what experience they've had in this neighborhood prior to this altercation with George Floyd. I don't know if they've had incidences prior where police officers were injured. What I do know is what police officers go through on a day-to-day -day basis would probably make most people pee their pants if they experience the same thing. And if you watch this body cam video, you saw George Floyd just acting really erratic. I mean, of course, now we know it was full of drugs. And the officers were actually very accommodating. George Floyd was resisting arrest, resisting getting in the back of the police vehicle. And the and you know, he was saying, I'm claustrophobic, I'm claustrophobic. But of course, George Floyd was in his vehicle. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's issue number one. And then the officers said, we'll roll the window down. We'll roll the window down. But George Floyd would not do it. So yeah, he resisted arrest. Now, why wasn't that body cam footage released when it all happened or right after it happened? Why, why did the city uh, try to stop that from being uh, released? Why did it have to be leaked? We should have seen that body cam footage right away. That's what it's there for. It's not there for the city. It's there for the citizens. So why wasn't it released? And if it was released, would it have changed anything? Would, would, would all of what's happening not have happened? You know, it's hard to say. But would it have changed the narrative? But Rep Ford out of Chicago, she doesn't care about that. All she cares about is writing history to fit her narrative, to fit her objectives and what she wants to achieve and what she wants to achieve most likely is more power because that's what this all boils down to so chicago is talking about suspending history so they can rewrite it can you just believe that i mean that's just unbelievable that we're in uh, at this moment in time where a major city a, a, a state rep is calling for the schools to stop teaching history let's hope she doesn't get her way. But, you know, you just, it's, you know, with all this going on, here's, here's a headline that will switch gears a little bit, kind of along the same way, because this is the trigger warning to those far left radicals, uh, to, uh, to the horror of the mainstream media, soaring U.S. gun sales break another record. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. Who, 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 who right now in their right frame of mind is not looking at what's going on and not thinking I got to protect myself. I have, I mean, you know, no, you've got protests, even in you look at upper East side, Manhattan, as I mentioned earlier in nice neighborhoods, all the crime now is coming to everybody. Nobody's immune for this.
So according to the Washington Free Beacon, July saw an estimated 1,795,602 firearms sold. That is a new national record, a 133% increase compared to last year. Well, who didn't see that coming? And who, who can blame people? You can't. I mean, you've got to protect yourself. You've got to protect your family. So you've got to make sure that you are always aware of your surroundings. And now this is everywhere and anywhere in most major cities. Makes you kind of want to move out into the boonies, doesn't it? Let's buy a farm where, you know, maybe the nearest house is like 10 miles. That way you're protected because nobody's around you. But I tell you what, it's becoming more and more uh, uh, desirable as time goes on because of all the craziness that's going on in the world right now. All right, one last uh, quick take before we take a break and get into Trump's accomplishments. All right, uh, did you see this video? Here, here's the headline, BLM protesters stabbed in Portland as another anti-police protester shouts, Call the police. <laughs> if you haven't seen this video, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's hilarious. So a, a, an individual was going to the protest. This is not a protester. And she had a knife, apparently. And uh, she was being uh, harassed by the uh, BLM protesters. And she stabbed one, stabbed her in the breast. And there's video of it. And you see the, the wound, the blood on the breast. And the other BLM protesters is yelling, call the police, call the police. Wait a minute. <laughs> I thought you guys wanted to defund the police. I thought the police were the problem. Well, well what happens when you need police? Well, they're not there. Uh, now, uh, apparently, the police didn't come. And um, the lady who did the stabbing eventually did report herself to the police. I don't believe there's been an arrest yet because she was defending herself. But I think it's just rich rich in irony that a BLM protester is stabbed and one of the other anti-police protesters starts shouting, call the police, call the police. You just can't make this stuff up. Chicago wants to rewrite history, anti-police protesters shouting for the police when something goes wrong, cities abolishing special SWAT teams, defunding their police departments, up in New York City, they're talking about instead of police answering calls, social workers will answer calls. Answer calls. <laughs> oh, it's just a crazy world, mixed up world. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, let's give some accomplishments, some kudos to President Trump. Again, uh, this is a, the PBL podcast. You can reach us at the PBL podcast at gmail.com. And of course, go on our website at the PBL podcast.com. And in between the breaks, you know what you should do? You should go to patreon.com slash PBL podcast and sign up for a membership as little as a dollar a month. Come on, 12 bucks a year and you will help move this broadcast forward and keep us going. Uh, but of course, you can spend up to $10,000 if you want. And as we always say, we love you a long time for that. But buy a membership, $1, $3, $5, $7. And for your money, you're going to get content that you can only find at patreon.com. We'll be right back. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. 
So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. Welcome back to the second half of the PBL podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. And of course, you can reach us on all of our platforms at thepblpodcast.com. And first of all, before we get into this part of the show, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who is listening to the show. Uh, because of you, we are having some tremendous growth. Each week, the show just keeps going up more and more and more. And again, I just wanted to thank you. If you are listening to this on iTunes, if you don't mind, please give us a five-star rating. It'll help grow the show even that much more and wherever other platform you are listening on if it has a rating please give us a five-star rating and of course please share this podcast with as many people as you know to keep the show moving forward and growing each week and again i just from the bottom of my heart just wanted to thank you for all that you do as far as listening and supporting the show and of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say go to patreon.com slash PBL podcast and buy a membership. Anyway, let's get on with this segment of the show and talk about Trump's accomplishments. Now, what I'm going to do is I got a list here of somebody who put together uh, of 125 accomplishments, and I may not get through all of them. In fact, I won't get through all of them, but I'm going to just go through that list. But before I do that, let me go over a few things. Now, one is if you wanted to see a, a list of Trump president Donald J. Trump's accomplishments. Go over to megapill.com and they've got it categorized by government, economy, national security, and with dozens and dozens of links uh, to his accomplishments and why they're accomplishments. So I'm going to put this in the show notes maybe a little later today. So when you get home, check this on the show notes if you want to go to that list. Now, for me, one of the things, there's two really major, major accomplishments of this presidency that are the main reasons why I am wholeheartedly, enthusiastically voting for Donald Trump uh, in the election this year, uh, November 3rd. One is his lasting impact on reshaping the federal judiciary. Now, Trump has placed 200 uh, nominees or judges in, in office since he's been in. So uh, right now, he, his nominees make up about 25% of all U.S. Circuit Court judges. This is phenomenal. He has placed judges at a faster rate than just about any other president uh, before him. So here's an article that how Trump compares with other recent presidents in appointing federal judges. So number one, Trump has appointed almost a quarter of all active federal judges in the United States. So this is uh, by each president as of July 7th. Trump's appointed 194. I believe it's gone up to 200 since the writing of this article. So that's about 25% of all judges. Now, at the same point in time, Obama was pretty active, 312. Now, what Trump is doing is he's reshaping the judiciary. So at this point in time, George W. Bush was 166, Bill Clinton 87, H.W. Bush 14, Ronald Reagan 18, and Jimmy Carter only one. 
which is kind of amazing. So uh, almost a quarter of the federal judges right now, federal judges are Trump appointees. Number two, Trump has appointed more federal appeals court judges to date than any recent president at the same point in their presidency. This one is huge. So right now, uh, appeals courts, 53 district court judges, 143 for a total of 194. Barack Obama at the same time, appeal court judges, 30 district court judges, 121, 152. Now, George H.W. Bush, appeals court judges, 35, district court judges, 162. So he's at one. 97 overall, a little higher than Trump and overall, but we're talking about as far as appeals court judges, Trump has appointed more than any other president in recent history. Uh, Bill Clinton, 30 appeals court just, just judges with 152 district court judges. H.W. Uh, Bush, 36 to 126. Ronald Reagan, 27 to 117. Jimmy Carter, 54 to 190 district court judges. So, but the appeals court, that's where it matters most. So kudos to Trump on that. Number three, Trump has appointed a larger share of female judges than other recent Republican presidents, but a smaller share than recent Democrat. So he's outpacing Republicans and appointing female judges. And I'm not into the whole gender thing as far as do, should we have a number of females? Should we have a number of males? Uh, I'm into the most qualified person, like the fourth bullet here in this particular article. So far, Trump has been more likely than other recent presidents to appoint judges who are white. Um, that, you know, it, more than eight and 10 he's appointed are white, 85%. So uh, again, it should be based on the merit of the person, but this is one of the main reasons I support this president is because of what he's doing with the judiciary, what he's, he's been appointing. He's been very, very, very active. He's appointed two Supreme court justices to the court. You know, whether you think they're good, bad, or different, they are far better than any, any Democrat president would have appointed. And then we potentially have one coming up. We all know Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been in and out of the hospital recently. Can she survive another four years? Uh, we don't know. I mean, she's she's very frail at this point in time. But so it looks like there's going to be another Supreme Court pick. And if a Democrat is office, let's say Biden gets in office, then you know, if you listen to my um, recent podcast, I don't think Biden's going to be the one that's going to be the nominee. But that's another story, another podcast uh, already recorded. So go back and listen to that one. But if a leftist or a Democrat wins in November, you can guarantee that there's going to be a leftist Supreme Court on the court. So uh, a Supreme Court pick put on the court next administration. And that right there is one of the main reasons why I support this president, because of the judiciary shapes this nation. And we do not want to have the left taking over because they can't, if they can't win in the ballot box, they try to win at the courthouse. And that has lasting, lasting implications. Now, another reason I support this president wholeheartedly is because of his deregulations. This president has, de <clears throat> you know, and deregulated so much. In fact, here is uh, under the president's leadership, the administration has cut eight and a half regulations for every new rule, far exceeding his promise to cut two regulations 
for every one new rule and several things he has completely gutted. For example, the Consumer Protection Board, the C uh, Consumer, I can't remember this, Consumer Finance Protection Board, I think it is CFPB, I think that's what it's called. The CFPB, what it, it came about, Elizabeth Warren, this is Elizabeth Warren's baby, if you will, uh, it just chokehold banks. It, it chokehold lending institutions. It chokehold specifically those lending institutions that lend to low income and poor credit people like pawn shops and um, title loan companies and such. It just killed them and put so much regulation on that industry that that industry had a tough time. And Trump has come in and just cut that. So he not only has he cut eight and a half regulations for every new rule, he's also neutered, if you will, some of the existing things that are still there like the CFPB. So it's Trump has his deregulation efforts and what he's done with the judiciary is one of the main reasons why I support this president. So let's get into this list. Now I'm going to post this list in the show notes. It's 125 amazing accomplishments of President Donald J, Donald J. Trump. That's the headline. Now, this is posted back in April of 2020. This is from a site called Frank Report. And if you go, go to the Frank Report, it looks like a pretty good report. I've just discovered it recently. I'm going to bookmark it and continue to look at this because he brings up a lot of news that you don't see everywhere else. Now, the person who put this list together, I am going to butcher this name like no name has ever been butchered, but Peranu, P-E-R-O-N-N-E-A-U, uh, Vandehey, V-A-N-D-E-H-E-Y. Yeah, I may have said that right. So anyway, he goes on to say he was asked a few weeks ago, what has President Trump and his administration accomplished? So here you go. He's got 125. So I'm just going to go down this list and we're going to listen and look at what has this president accomplished in his first three years. And if he's accomplished all this in his first three years, imagine, imagine what happens in his next term. Number one, Trump recently signed three bills to benefit native people. One gives compensation to the Spokane tribe for their loss of their lands in the mid-1900s. One funds native language programs, and a third gives federal recognition to the Little Shell tribe of Chippewa Indians in Montana. What? What? No, that can't be because the media, they love this kind of stuff. They would tell us, right? Nope, they haven't, but this is what Trump has done. Number two, Trump finalized the creation of Space Force as our sixth military branch. You know what? He was given a lot of flack for the name Space Force, but look what just happened with SpaceX and NASA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was quite the achievement and quite the accomplishment. So Space Force now, you know, the media is not laughing at it like they were and trying to minimize it. So this is an awesome, awesome achievement. Number three, Trump signed a law to make cruelty to animals a federal felony so that animal abusers face tougher consequences. What? I thought Republicans hated animals. Mm -hmm. Number four, violent crime has fallen every year he's been in office after rising during the two years before he was elected. Now, this, again, was posted back in April, and we've seen violent crime spike in these leftist-run cities because of this whole defund police nonsense, which we talked about in the first segment. Number five, uh, Trump signed a bill making CBD and hemp legal. That is awesome because 
there are a lot of people that needed and used CBD and hemp for medicinal purposes. So this is absolutely a wondrous achievement. There are a lot of uh, sick people that this is helping. Number six, Trump's EPA gave $100 million to fix the water infrastructure problem in Flint, Michigan. What? That can't be. The media would have told us this because they railed on about it for so many years. Wait a minute. Maybe because the media hasn't been railing on it, we know to think, hmm, maybe Trump's done something about it. So look at that. Trump gave $100 billion to fix Flint, Michigan. Hmm. Where's Michael Moore now? Number seven, under Trump's leadership in 2018, the U.S. surpassed Russia and Saudi Arabia to become the world's largest producer of crude oil. That is amazing. And you know what? We are now energy dependent and not... Energy, I'm sorry, energy independent and not dependent on these other countries. And this has helped with our gas prices to keep them lower because we are now the largest producer of crude oil. So kudos to Trump on that one. Huge accomplishment. Number eight, Trump signed a law ending the gag orders on pharmacists that prevent them from sharing money saving information. And and he's also currently working on uh, either executive order or legislation to lower drug prices in our country. That's not on this list. I just wanted to bring that up because that's currently in the news right now. Number nine, Trump signed the allow states and victims to fight online sex trafficking, tra trafficking act, FOSTA for short, which includes the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, SESTA, which both give law enforcement and victims new tools to fight sex trafficking. And you know what? We have seen a lot, a lot of arrest in sex trafficking recently. Kudos to Tra President Trump on this. Huge, huge, huge win. Number 10, Trump signed a bill to require airports to provide spaces for spaces for breastfeeding moms. What? That can't be. I thought he was a misogynist, that he didn't like women, or he just objectified them. How dare he sign a bill to require airports to provide spaces for breastfeeding moms? He doesn't care. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Number 11, the 25% lowest paid Americans enjoy a 4.5% income boost in November of 2019, which outpaces a 2.9% gain in earnings for the country's highest paid workers. What? I thought everything he did was for the rich. Oh, that Trump. He's fooled us. That dastardly deedy guy he is. Number 12, low wage workers are benefiting from higher minimum wages and from corporations that are increasing entry-level pay. Now, of course, this was back in April, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, we're, uh, uh, the low-wage workers are making more money under this president. Number 13, Trump signed the biggest wilderness protection and conservative conservation bill in a decade and designated 375,000 acres as protected land. Again, that's not the narrative that they want us to see, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. This is amazing, this list. Number 14, Trump signed the Save Our Seas Act, which funds 10 million per year to clean tons of plastic and garbage from the ocean. Hey, if you know what, I'm, I'm only at number 14 and I'm seeing these for the first time. Maybe you're hearing them for the first time, but if the media would report this, wow. Would it change? Would it change how people see this president? You know it would. That's why they don't report it. Number 15, he signed a bill this year allowing some drug imports from Canada so that prescription prices would go 
down. And he's been working diligently to bring them down too. Recently, you see Trump tweeting that the pharmaceutical companies don't like him because he's doing this and it's going to undercut their profits. And by the way, the reason that they're so expensive in the United States is they're artificially inflated to pay for all the research and development and they're sold cheaper outside of our nation than they are here. So this is the drug companies basically just profiting madly off of this. So they'll still be profitable. Don't bleed for them. Don't cry for them. Number 16, Trump signed an executive order this year that forces all healthcare providers to disclose the cost of their services so that Americans can comparison shop and know how much less providers charge insurance companies. That's huge. That's called free market. That's called you get to make a decision based on information you have that you didn't have before. Because before, we didn't know how much the cost of this was. Number 17, when signing that bill, he said no American should be blindsided by bills for medical services they never agreed to. Absolutely spot on. Number 17, no, I'm sorry, uh, number 18, there's so many here. Hospitals will now be required to post their standard charges for services, which include the discounted price a hospital is willing to accept. Mm -hmm. See, give us information. Let the consumer decide because if the consumer knows what the cost of this is and they're outraged, that's how things change. Number 19, in eight years prior to President Trump's inauguration, prescription drug prices increased by an average of 3.6% per year. Under Trump, drug prices have seen year-over-year -year declines in nine of the last 10 months with a 1.1% drop as of the most recent month. Orange man bad. That speaks loudly to orange man bad. Number 20, he created a White House VA hotline to help veterans and principally, principally staffed it with veterans and direct family members of veterans. Very good move. Number 21, VA employees are being held accountable for poor performance with more than 4,000 VA employees removed, demoted, and suspended so far absolutely huge move. Now, if people are held accountable, they're going to act differently because if you are not held accountable, then why would you change your behavior? Number 22 issued an executive order requiring the secretaries of defense, Homeland Security, and Veterans Affairs to submit a joint plan to provide veterans access to, access to mental health treatment as they transition to civilian life. See, he does care about our veterans, you leftists. Number 23, because of a bill signed and championed by Trump in 2020, most federal employees will see their pay increase by an average of 3.1%, the largest raise in more than 10 years. But yet we still see so many stories of federal employees that support the left. Absolutely crazy. Number 24, Trump signed into a law up to 12 weeks of paid parental leave for millions of federal workers. No, that can't be. We all know Trump doesn't care about families. Ugh. Number 25, by the way, 12 weeks of paid parental leave for federal workers. He, he can't obviously do it for all workers because that's, you know, you got to pass laws for that, but he runs the federal government. So, Where's the left? Where's the media? Why, why don't we hear this? I didn't know this. 
Number 25, Trump administration will provide HIV prevention, prevention drugs for free to 200,000 uninsured patients per year for 11 years. <sighs> red pill people, red pill people. You need to share this list. It'll be in the show notes. Share this list. Number 26, all-time record sales during the 2019 holidays, which you know, if you, which is amazing because prior to the pandemic, or is it the scamdemic, the plandemic, scaredemic, however you want to say it, uh, retail was doing well. I'm not saying brick and mortar retail. No, no, no. Retail is a combination of brick and mortar and online sales. And obviously online sales have been rising and rising and rising. But the reason that all time record sales during the 2019 holidays was because people had more discretionary income, but more importantly, people felt comfortable and secure in the economy's growth. They had hope. Mm, dare I say that wishy-washy word from the previous administration? Number 27, Trump signed an order allowing small businesses to group together when buying insurance to get a better price. Well, go figure. You mean people can pool resources and they couldn't before? Isn't that crazy? Number 28, President Trump signed the Prevention Preventing Maternal Deaths Act that provides funding for states to develop maternal mortality reviews to better understand maternal complications and identify solutions and largely focus on reducing the higher mortality rates for, wait for it, black Americans. Red pill moment. Red pill moment. But we're told that he's a racist. He's a racist. You know, I'm going to read that one again. This one's number 28. Because Trump is such a racist that he would do this. President Trump signed the Preventing Maternal Deaths Act that provides funding for states to develop maternal maturity reviews. And yes, I'm going fast. To better understand maternal complications and identify solutions and largely focus on reducing the higher mortality rates for black Americans. Unbelievable. And he's called a racist. Where's our media? Our useless media. Number 29, in 2018, President Trump signed the groundbreaking First Step Act, a criminal justice bill which enacted reforms that make our justice system fairer and help former inmates successfully return to society. How come Barack Obama didn't do anything like that? Where was he in helping reform prison systems? He was nowhere to be found. Because you know why? He didn't care. Trump cares. You cannot call this president a racist and actually believe it after reading some of these accomplishments in his presidency. Number 30, the First Step, the first step Act's reforms addressed inequality, inequities sorry, in sentencing laws that disproportionately harmed black Americans and reform mandatory minimums that create unfair outcomes. Number 31, the First Step Act expanded judicial discretion in sentencing of nonviolent criminals or crimes. Number 32, over 90% of those benefiting from the retroactive sentencing reductions in the First Step Act are black Americans. And number 33, the First Step Act provides rehabilitative programs to inmates, helping them successfully rejoin society and not return to crime. And number 34, Trump increased funding for historically black colleges and universities by more than 14%. 35, Trump signed legislation forgiving Hurricane Katrina debt that threatened historically black colleges and universities. And, and he's called a racist 
over and over and over. Our national news media, our mainstream news media is completely useless. If they reported this, man, I mean, the, the percent of the black vote that Trump would get would be astronomical. And there's more. Number 36, new single family home sales are up 31.6% in October uh, 2019 compared to just one year ago. Uh, number 37, he made historically black colleges and universities a priority by creating the position of executive director of the White House Initiative on Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Wow. Number 38, Trump received the Bipartisan Justice Award at a historically historically black college for his criminal justice reform accomplishments. Why? You just don't hear this in the media, do you? Number 40, poverty rates for African Americans and Hispanics Americans have reached their lowest level since the U.S. began collecting such data. Now, I skipped over number 39. Let me go back to that one. The poverty rate fell to a 17-year low of 11.8% under the Trump administration as a result of a jobs-rich environment. Trump has gone on to say that he has fixed the economy once and he can do it again once we get through this pandemic, scandemic. I know, I know, pandemic. And he can and he will. And he, look at what he has achieved for not only uh, us as Americans, but all Americans, including black Americans. Specifically, he's done criminal justice reform, which you never saw. Trump doing, or I'm sorry, Obama doing that. Obama didn't touch that one, did he? Didn't do anything with it. He's, this president has done so much for the black community that it is amazing that anyone would call him a racist, but they do. They do over and over and they do without any data to back it up. All right, we've gone through 40 of these. I'm going to stop here and save this for maybe another MAGA Wednesday or, you know, I'm I may just post these or we'll talk about them in a, in a future show coming up. But I wanted to show you what he has accomplished in his presidency. Now, I'm learning some of these along with you. Some of you may know this, but some of you may not. And I'm learning as we're going as well that these are amazing. I, I knew he did prison reform. I knew that he did a lot for the historically black college and universities. But I'm not so sure I knew the magnitude of what he's done. And I absolutely know that our leftist media refuses, refuses to report on this. It's just orange man bad, orange man bad. Again, I support President Trump. There are things that he has done that I don't support, like what he's doing with TikTok right now. I don't support that. But based on what he's done for the judiciary, based on what he's done for deregulations, and based on these accomplishments, this president is the most successful president in my lifetime. And I dare I say, you know, Reagan, by the way, Reagan's another one that the left likes to call a racist without any facts to back it up uh, because of something he may have said in the past, just like they do with Trump, something he may have done in 1972 or 1973. Reagan wasn't a racist, neither is Trump, but this president is on pace to be more successful than Ronald Reagan. And you know what? The left, the media, which are the same, are fighting it every step of the way, and we, we have to remain diligent 
We got to vote Trump. And not only do we need to vote Trump, you need to vote down ballot. We need to get the House back. We need to keep the Senate and we need to get the House back. And oh my gosh, I'm only at number 40 on the list of 125. Look at all these accomplishments. What, what do you think he can accomplish in his second term? And what do you think he can accomplish in his second term if we get the House back as well? All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast. Uh, please do support us, patreon.com slash PBL Podcast. Email us at the PBL Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, visit our website. I'll have show notes on there at pblpodcast.com. And, um, and uh, of course, uh, if you are listening to this on Apple, please give us a five-star rating. And any other platform you're listening to this, if there is a rating, please give us a five-star or however many stars there are and share this episode and this podcast with all of your MAGA friends because this has been the PBO Podcast MAGA Wednesday. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.